Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Anthony Davis wants to play for the Lakers. That's why you hire Rich Paul, to get you to the Lakers. Every team in the league now knows it. Why would you trade for him? You're going to have to trade a lot, damaging your team. Are you going to gamble all your assets that you can convince Anthony Davis to stay in your mid-market town or your support? No. You're listening to The Dig. What is up, Nuggets fans? Welcome to The Dig. I'm Nick. I'm with Jeremy. We have uh, big news in the NBA to talk about today, Jeremy. Yep, the Nuggets just traded for Anthony Davis. Snap. Not really. But yeah. we will discuss. Anthony Davis is available. The Nuggets are probably interested, as are every other team in the NBA, I would imagine. We'll get into that in a minute. First, uh, just to recap what the Nuggets have been up to lately. Um, looks like January is going to be a better month than either of us thought, Jeremy. Uh, you had him at yeah. nine wins. I had him at 11. We were doing an over under 10 wins. Um, they're at 11 right now, and they play the Pelicans before the month's out. Uh, and the Pelicans are a little shorthanded. Anthony Davis is hurt right now, actually. So looking like a 12-minute a win month, probably. What, what's your thoughts on, on this last stretch? It's crazy. Um, December, it, it felt like it was a dream to get the wins that we did in December. Like no way could keep going in January, and yet here we are. Yeah, I I think ten wins was slightly optimistic, and here they are with twelve. Um, and I I just can't stop thinking about how this whole uh, Nuggets end of season schedule that was supposed to be so tough might not actually be because a lot of these teams might be out of the playoffs and not really playing for much. We really really actually could be looking at mm. like a 57 win season. Um, it's just one of those things we have to stay closely watching, see how things go for the other teams. But, um, you know, those last couple of weeks, uh, a lot of these guys might not be carrying and, and um, be sitting there, their stars. So, um, <laughs> man, that would be so crazy to watch. Yeah. I mean, it's looking more and more like it's unlikely that the nuggets are going to drop out of the top half of the Western conference. Um, they right. have a you know five game lead, six game lead or something over the six seed I think. So um, they'd have to. I mean the wheels would really have to come off. It'd have to be a prolonged losing streak, you know, accompanied by a hot streak for a couple of different teams probably in order for the Nuggets to fall out. Um, I, I think at this point we we we, we could be pretty confident that they're going to be in the playoffs. Um, that's. <laughs> <laughs> It would have. I mean, it would be a. It would be a, just a disastrous fall for them to 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 not be in the playoffs at this point. I think they they're eight or nine games up on the eighth seed, so they're going to make it, and that's exciting. Um, we thought at the beginning of the season that that was likely, but you know, after barely missing the playoffs two years in a row, it you know, and, and the West just got tougher with LeBron James coming over. It didn't seem like a foregone conclusion that they were going to make it this year either. Uh, right. But here we sit. They're second place. Uh, the talk is about how the Warriors have come on and how good the Warriors have been. They have been. They, they're 10-0 and in their last 10 games. And yet the Nuggets are only a game and a half behind them. Crazy. Uh, this last game in Memphis was a little concerning. But unlike seasons in the past, the concerning games that the Nuggets have, a lot of times they're still winning. So that's nice. I want to point out, um, I'm beating this Jamal Murray drum, but... Uh... You know, we talked before when when the Nuggets weren't finishing out fourth quarters the way that uh, we hoped that they could. Uh, and we were talking about uh, the potential for there to be a, a strong Jamal Murray, uh, Jokic two-man game um, and, and how that hap- happened. We, we, we've seen it. We've witnessed the ability for those two guys uh, amidst uh, a whole slew of injuries um, rely on mm-hmm. on each other to to get the last few minutes that fourth quarter locked in, um, 
to me, it's no coincidence that these past couple of games that um, have looked very odd in the fourth quarter, uh, where Jokic isn't even quite working right. Um, I, I I wonder if if Jokic has really learned to to lean on Murray, and all of a sudden when the game changes in the fourth quarter, like it does, um, and he doesn't have the guy there that he's been developing this dependency on codependency. Um, that, that that might have something to do with it. Um, I mean, without Beasley just absolutely turning it on last night, that that was a loss. Um, credit given to their defense, you know, they, they stayed in it and they stayed uh, aggressive. It just wasn't turning into to points. Um, and and I, I, I don't know, I wonder over the past couple of games that Murray's been out, uh, it, it's looked a little odd in the fourth. And um, there might be really something. Fortunately, Murray's not a guy who gets injured really, and when he does, he plays through it. So, um, you know, if if we are relying on a future of Jokic Murray ball to close out games for the next decade, uh, you know, I'd say that's two reliable people to to put it on. But yeah, um, uh, no, I, I definitely think they they develop something during that rash of injuries that um, is is special and. That's missing right now. Gary Harris isn't isn't back to full strength either. He doesn't he right. doesn't look like himself. No. And so yeah, fortunately Malik Beasley was able to step in as that that second scorer last night. Um, Jokic, I mean, really brought them back in the third quarter. He made a right. he made a, a really aggressive push there in the second half of the third quarter. And then you know Jokic did seal the game with the the, the game uh, the go ahead the go ahead bucket. But Beasley was yeah Beasley was a was a monster. So, uh, of course this team misses Murray when he's not on the court and, and Murray has, has shown himself to be really clutch. In fact, I just saw, um, a stat that Jokic and Murray are both like in the top 10 in clutch performers this year. Uh, mm-hmm. if you look at like true shooting percentage and a couple of other numbers. So, uh, they're both really good in crunch time in comparison with the rest of the league. Uh, and as a two man, combo that's been really dynamic uh gary harris and and Jokic had a good two-man game uh before this too before the injuries uh, harris has had this year last year um they had a really good thing going so you know they can get that back too and then we have you know just more options as the, the games draw game draws to a close that we can rely on I'm, I'm you know i'm comfortable at this point with harris murray or Jokic with the ball in their hands mm-hmm. um and barton hit a big three last night again yeah you know, he's not afraid to take those big shots and that's nice no, actually, all game he looked really, really mm-hmm. good. Um, and yeah, the the threes, the threes have been falling since he came back. You can argue uh, a lot about what you want from him and what he's lacking, but his his three point shot is has, has been there since his first game back. Yeah, maybe second yeah. game. Yeah, he's still knocking some cobwebs off. Um, and so is Paul Millsap. I thought. Yeah, so is Millsap. Yeah, yeah. Millsap's been really bumbly. <laughs> the yeah, last I, few I'm games. I'm sorry. I, he'll get but, back to it. I'm, I'm, right. I I don't believe that. Him and Barton and Harris, all these guys are coming back from injury. I, I hate the idea that these guys come back for a game or two and everybody, and, and I'm not going to say everybody, but some people throw the, instantly throw them under the bus. Like, oh, it doesn't work, blah, 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 blah. Sometimes they're not even playing with the starting lineup. They're, they're playing with a mishmash of guys next to them. And of course, they're going to look different and play different. Yeah. Um, yeah, that what? just gets a little frustrating. We've we got to give these guys t- time to come together, not only – to uh, to physically get back together, but to develop that chemistry and even get the minutes together that they need to. Yeah, I'm just thrilled to see the starting lineup play together for like a month. Can we just get that, please? Oh, and let's just see oh, what we, we have. <laughs> we thought um, we had that. I even posted it um, uh, on our Denver Stiffs Facebook. And sure enough, Jamal right. Murray is pulled because of his ankle. Yeah, it's over excited. 100 days now. It's been over 100 yeah. days since the starting lineup has played together. We'll see. I, I I think, yeah. I, I the nice thing is they put themselves in a position now that that you know they're going to have a solid seed in the West. Um, you know, if if a couple games get dropped from here on out because some guys are knocking the rust off still or whatever, that's fine. Let's get the core together and playing together, and and hopefully they can gel and get a, a nice rhythm going as we move into the playoffs and then they're going to be really tough. They're going to be really tough in the first round of the playoffs. The theme. Okay. So as we transition into the playoffs 
and look ahead to uh, first round series and what the Nuggets need to do to 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 build or add to the current roster. Uh, we have the trade deadline impending uh, a few days out, and word came down yesterday that Anthony Davis is uh, not demanding a trade, but essentially he is forcing the Pelicans to trade him because he has told them that he will not be resigning with them or signing an, signing an extension with them. Uh, he is signed through next year, but that's kind of sent things into a into a tizzy in the NBA rumors swirling about, about where he might land now and what teams are, are going to be able to offer for him. And so we really want to talk uh, about the Anthony Davis trade this episode. And if that's possible for the nuggets, uh, what it would take to get him. And maybe if there's some other moves that might be a little more under the radar, that would make a lot of sense for the nuggets. So we're bringing in Ryan Blackburn. Now he's got a piece up on Denver stiffs today on the NBA trade deadline. Ryan's also host of Nuggets Numbers, a great podcast that goes into uh, analytics and does a deep dive into uh, stats. And, and he does a great job of explaining um, some of these uh, metrics that are lost on on some of us like me. Um, so thank you for joining us today, Ryan. We really appreciate you jumping in to get in on some trade talk. Thanks for having me, man. What's going on? OK, yeah. So uh, just in case... Um, you are not f- familiar with the rumors surrounding Anthony Davis going to Los Angeles. Uh, this is stemming from him signing with Clutch Sports, which is the agency that represents LeBron James. And there's been rumblings about this for quite a while now that Clutch Sports is sort of maneuvering things to get Anthony Davis to L.A. Um, that very well may be the case, but it's not been specifically stated by Anthony Davis at this point. Um, All we have heard from his representation is that he's looking to play with a contender. So the the question is, are are the Pelicans committed to dealing with Los Angeles? Um, I I think some of whether a deal will happen with LA or not depends on how highly they value Kyle Kuzma and Lonzo Ball and some of the other young pieces that LA has to offer. Um, I think that gets lost here somewhat because the media is so LA focused that everyone just assumes if LA wants something, LA can get it. And uh, I don't know that that will necessarily be the case here. Although they, they do have a lot of incentive to do this. And if Anthony Davis comes out in the next week and says, you know, anybody that trades for me is getting a rental, I'm going to LA in a year. um, That will change the, uh, the matrix here significantly, but we haven't heard that yet. Um, and I, so I'm wondering, even if that is the case, because it does seem likely that that's the plan here, is it still worth it to get a year and a half of Anthony Davis as a rental? And and if you if you are looking at just a year and a half rental, two playoff runs, what's that worth? So, from my perspective over here, it to me it sounds like what Anthony Davis is putting out there publicly, at least right now lines up entirely with what the Denver Nuggets are. They are a budding contender, have young talent right now. They have one of the top 10 players or so in the NBA and Nikola Jokic, somebody who Anthony Davis could surely fit extremely well with in order to play 20 minutes next to him, have 48 full minutes of center, uh, extremely solid center play for the next several years. Uh, that's a pairing that would make more sense than likely any other singular pairing that Anthony Davis would have for the foreseeable future. Now, a lot of this, as as we're coming to know, as we're coming to kind of expect, is that it's not necessarily all basketball related. Uh, LeBron James didn't necessarily go to the Los Angeles Lakers for basketball reasons, like the reason why he yeah, clearly not yeah exactly the reason <laughs> the reason why he wanted to go there was to further his business interests and and live in a great place where he could take care of his family and do the things that he wanted to do off the floor like probably talking to Jack Nicholson as much as he's talking to Luke Walton so we're talking about a guy in Anthony Davis who has at least publicly said that he wants to be on a competitor and i think that the nuggets should do what they can to at least see that through, uh, simply because when you're talking about Anthony Davis, you're talking about a top five talent. You're talking about somebody who just 
like there there's nobody like him in the NBA who can do the things on offense and defense that he can do. And if you're the Nuggets and you have an opportunity to pair him with another guy who can just do stuff that nobody else in the NBA can do in Nikola Jokic, you potentially have a finals contender this year. So there are barriers that you probably put in for yourself in order to prevent uh, completely tanking your franchise's chances just in case Anthony Davis moves to L.A. in a couple of years. But Denver owes themselves the opportunity to at least explore that avenue and to try and make something magical happen. Right. I think we're talking, we're talking having two of the top 10 players in the NBA. That's such a, uh, such a, um, it changes the entire horizon of the NBA. And it's something that, that the Nuggets can look forward to and work with for years to come. They'd immediately be a, uh, a contender. They, they'd be talked about as a contender. I, Anthony Davis is, you know, a top three player or, or top five player. Jokic, I think, is right around that 10, depending on where you put him. I think he has to be somewhere around anywhere between seven and 12. Um, but so I, I guess I would also understand from Anthony Davis's perspective, if we're going to assign him honorable intentions as far as wanting to be a part of a competitive team, you might not want to say that you're in or out, um, even after you're traded. If if he did come to Denver, he might not want to say, yeah, I'll re-sign with you guys, mm-hmm. or no, I don't want to re-sign with you guys. He wants to take that year and a half to figure out, is this actually something that can work, or it do I need to move on to another place? So so you know, I, I can't I can't give him too much um um negative criticism for for anything that happens as far as him claiming to resign with a team or or not but it it makes everything scary um but it's interesting to think of it being scary from both sides yeah i mean is this the moment to roll the dice i guess it we saw what happened with the paul george situation last year um everybody thought it was foregone conclusion he was going to the lakers oklahoma city took a chance they gave up a lot to bring him in and for basically a year rental at that point, I think, or did they get him a year and a half? It was one year. And one year. Um, and he liked it. And he realized he could get, you know, 40 more million dollars or whatever by staying in OKC. And he had no incentive to leave. I, I think sometimes I, I think the L.A. thing gets so overblown and, and some of the and also the, the LeBron thing gets overblown. I've heard from a number of NBA players over the last few weeks now about the challenges of playing with LeBron James if you're another superstar. And I, I don't think it's it's a matter of just every every player in the NBA beating down the Lakers door wanting to play there um, and play with LeBron. He's difficult to play with if you're another superstar. Um, we saw I mean, Kyrie forces way out of Cleveland for a reason. Um, now, there there are some superstars who, who probably would uh, really enjoy to, uh, playing with LeBron and and and. And do want to go. We just don't know if that's who Anthony Davis is. And he hasn't really given a lot of indication one way or the other, with the exception of signing with Clutch Sports. That seems to be the big kind of indication, the thing that people are reading into about what his intentions really are. But um, so what do you do? I I don't. Do you do do it? What's that? Do you do it? I'm yeah, I'm I'm doing it. I I think so. Um, Okay, so let me throw out a couple of possible uh, possible trades that could make this work, I think. Uh, This is just jumping on NBA trade machine on ESPN. So we we might be looking at something like Gary Harris, Trey Lyles, Michael Porter Jr., and some picks. Something like that for Anthony Davis. Um, Maybe instead of Trey Lyles, if there's other young players that they prefer, you know, maybe it's Wancho. They could sort of have a pick of a number of our young players young players, probably Beasley, um, who make kind of similar salary. Another possible trade. You don't think it would take both Jamal Murray and Gary Harris? I don't think so. You don't think uh, that Boston's package looks better? I I don't know that we're sure that Boston's willing to trade Jason Tatum. Really? I don't think so. Not necessarily. See, that's a, there's a lot of unknowns here. I mean, we don't. Th- right. I, 
let me let me put it this way. I would not I would not go for Anthony Davis if it was going to take Jamal Murray and Gary Harris. Let me throw this out there real quick. New York calls and they ask New Orleans, "Hey, we are willing to trade you guys Kristaps Porzingis." Mm. Do you think that New Orleans would prefer Kristaps Porzingis over a package of Gary Harris, Michael Porter Jr., Trey Lyles and picks? Probably. But that would come down, I think, to to medical. I I think they would want to go with Chris Stapps if everything looks good. And from what it looks like from the outside, everything looks good. He's out there sprinting and, and playing hard one-on-one and, and things like that. So um, I would take the Chris Stapps, I think, if, if he clears. Agreed, which is why I think that Jamal Murray, regardless of what we say, regardless of what uh, Nuggets fans believe there should be in terms of a deal – uh, I believe that Jamal Murray is going to have to be included regardless. So that's that really changes the conversation and, and the analog for whatever Nuggets fans are saying with regard to Davis, because now you're talking about trading away the second most valuable piece in this rebuild, I would say. Right. Yeah, my only uh, – I th- think about Jamal Murray is um, that he's only signed through next year also. And I think I'm, I'm hearing a lot of people saying things like that Jamal Murray is untouchable. And I, I, I'm i not seeing it that way because I don't know that there's any guarantee that we have Jamal Murray after next year either. Um, We don't really know where his head is at. And I, I think sometimes uh, maybe we, we seem to think that if we if we like have a homegrown player, that that player is more likely to stay just because we drafted them. And I'm not sure that that's going to be the case. Um. Well, I could put a stop to I, – I would say trade Jamal Murray for him in a heartbeat. I And I'm a Jamal Murray Jamal fan. Murray and Gary Harris? Well, that that's where it gets different. That's that's where things change. If, if all we're mm-hmm. doing is subbing out Gary, uh, Gary Harris for Jamal Murray, sure, I think that's a better package for New Orleans. But I'm I'm totally cool with that. <laughs> yeah, the money, the money doesn't work out though. Gary Harris makes 12, 14 million right. more than Jamal Murray does. Right. Well, you know, I mean, you ne- never know if third team to facilitate or something like that. If all that we're talking is is pure player value, um, then then yeah, I, to me, as much as you like Murray, Davis is a top five player. Like, I'm I'm mm-hmm. sorry, like I, I know there's questions of fit and things like that, but Jamal Murray will never ever be a top five player, and he certainly isn't right now. Oh, He's, that he- is blasphemy! You just pissed off half of our listeners. <laughs> That's fine. I. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'm allowed to do that. The amount that I've been defending Murray when he's been terrible at points this season. Here, let me uh, let um, me throw out a a scenario here for you guys. It's it's 2011. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans. I they're not even called the Pelicans at this point. They're called the New Orleans Hornets. They are dealing with the Lakers again, and they had just had a deal vetoed by David Stern to send Chris Paul to Los Angeles. Instead, right. they decided to trade him to Los Angeles and to the Clippers. In return, their headlining player was Eric Gordon, uh, who's a very similar analog, I would say, for what Jamal Murray is in terms of like a midpoint. He's not necessarily a bust. He's he's not necessarily mm-hmm. somebody like Damian Lillard or or Steph Curry or anything like that. But Eric Gordon at the time was considered one of the top young guard prospects in the NBA which I think is pretty similar to where Jamal Murray is right now. So hypothetically, do you think that the Los Angeles Clippers didn't enjoy that trade? Did Do you think that they lost that trade in any way? I, I would say that the Clippers would would do that trade 10 times out of 10 once again. Right, yeah. And I think that there's, there's certainly a there is certainly a stigma around these young players, but in the end, you don't know what they're necessarily going to be. You don't know whether they're going to end up being a top five player or not. If I put a top five player in front of you right now, you're going to tell me that no, I would, I would rather have the guy who could possibly once, if everything goes right and then still need some help, get into the top five. <laughs> Like, right. I really see this as a no-brainer. I think that you include Jamal Murray in any Anthony Davis talk. The real question, of course, is is whether you think he's going to bounce in two years. And 
if that uh if that was going to happen then it becomes a little bit more dicey right my, and that leads me to my Anthony Davis take as a Nuggets fan is to make no move for him right now because uh, the chances that he com- that we do make a move and then he comes here and two years later leaves us and leaves us empty-handed at that point we were we were scraped thin to trade for him and now all we have is Jokic um, which sounds terrible that's a great situation to be in but uh, <laughs> but I'll I'll let that happen to another team I'll let that happen to the Lakers and watch him not get along with LeBron or I'll watch him go to New York and watch the team still be just the the big market version of the New Orleans Pelicans and then him hit free agency we add Chris Finch to our staff back to our staff and and show that we're a place that's been competing now for two years maybe make it to the finals by some point uh or something close and actually have real genuine interest for him to sign with us that's that's my version of him coming to us yeah i mean i guess it depends on what you mean by like we're left like scraped thin it would take i both mean guards it, it would take harrison murray so okay let me throw out another possibility this was uh, si.com threw this one up yesterday what if it's Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday for Millsap, Harris, Murray, and like Michael Porter Jr.? So <sighs> Drew yeah. Holiday's under contract for four years, and he's having a great year. Um, you get two years of Anthony Davis. So again, we're not Millsap's only signed for another uh, through this year. It's a team option for next year. Um. Hard to say what what the Nuggets would do there, but but essentially Millsap's not a long term. He's not a long term um, piece on this team, most likely, at least beyond next year, I would imagine. So you're not really sacrificing anything by trading Millsap and his thirty million a year. Uh, so Murray, we don't know if he'll resign in two years. Uh, somebody might offer him a max deal, and then maybe maybe the Nuggets don't feel like he's even earned that kind of money yet. I mean, we, we really don't know what would happen a year from now. And then Gary Harris is under contract for four years. So you'd lose two years of Gary Harris, but you're getting two years more of drew holiday. Right. I like that. I think that's the um, best possible deal that you can do in this situation. Yeah. I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but people are, <laughs> people are talking about drew holiday as a potential all-star this year. Like he's not, he's right. not a terrible player by any stretch of the no, word. He's a good player. He is earning his contract right now. And while it is a large contract, when you talk about the players, the best fit around Nikola Jokic right now, Adam Maris talked about on the locked on nuggets podcast that he thinks that Anthony Davis is the single best fit at power forward for a Nikola Jokic led team. And mm-hmm. our friend Gordon Gross, currently a writer for the Denver Stiffs, he also says that he believes that Drew Holiday is the single best fit at point guard for a Nikola Jokic-led team. Two guys yeah. who can really cover for Nikola Jokic defensively, can take some pressure off of him offensively and allow him to allow his, to operate as a playmaker and a scorer. Uh, you talk about a new big three in Denver – you could do a lot worse than Anthony Davis, Nikola Jokic, and Drew Holiday. And if yeah. Anthony Davis were able to commit to the Nuggets organization, then my God, like how can you how That'd can you unreal. turn that down? Right. Right. And th- and then yeah, not even- not to mention, let me let me just throw this in. Will Barton is also here. Malik Beasley's also here. And right. like in this scenario. There are also a couple of other guys that they could flip to then try and fit around those guys a little bit better. I think that you could definitely see a six foot eight wing or so that that's that Denver tries to acquire either in a trade or in free agency the following year. But there are a lot of ways that Denver can surround that kind of core four of guys in Jokic, Davis, Holiday, and Barton and put together a starting lineup that matches the Warriors. Yeah, you know, I, I was even I was starting to picture it when you were mentioning that. And Beasley, I think defensively, uh, I think you and, and most people would agree with me. The the biggest downside is his inability to stay focused, um, and he winds up doing some boneheaded things. Um, 
But so moving him up as a starter, having him play on the perimeter next to Drew Holiday, one of the best point guard defenders in the NBA, I think winds up making that look a whole lot better. And when you do blow blow uh, an assignment or something like that, you have uh, a front court of Anthony Davis and Jokic to contend with if you're trying to drive to the hoop. So um, that worries me a lot, a lot less than um, any other kind of time I've wondered about pushing uh, Malik Beasley into the starting lineup. Um, they definitely defensively make up for uh, what you'd maybe lose by having Beasley as a starter. That's beautiful. Yeah, I, the Nuggets have a window here, and it's unclear to me right now what the best what the best path forward is. I but I am I, I'm kind of leading toward the Nuggets are on pace for 57 wins this year. That'd be their best season. They would tie, would tie their best record they've ever had. Like, are do we just want to go the next three years? Do we? Does everybody in the in the NBA just want to sit around waiting for the Warriors to break up before they actually try to get better, or should you just go for it? And uh. And, and it might not work, but I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I'm kind of thinking out loud. I'm not, I'm not really sure what the best option is because I, I hear, you know, a lot of people on Twitter and things like that are kind of, I, I'm hearing a lot of, of this kind of the process is working. Let's just keep developing our young guys and build for the future. And I, I think the thought is we'll just let, let the warriors do their thing for another two or three years. They break up and then we'll be in a position to jump in. But a lot can happen in two years. Um, and a lot can happen this year still. Uh, I just was hearing Jalen Rose this morning talking about how he doesn't think it's a foregone conclusion the Warriors are even going to get out of the West this year. He thinks the Thunder and the Rockets can both take him. Yeah, I don't know what um, he's watching. <laughs> I know. it's uh, it's You just don't know in sports. I mean, it's it's really tough to say. An injury can happen, you know, whatever. But... Um, I don't I, I don't know. I don't really as a fan and just as a, a person who follows sports, I it's tough to be a fan of a team who, who has the mindset that, yeah, we're good. But the other the, the best team in the league is just so much better than us. There's no point in trying this year. It's just frustrating. And I, maybe that's the way it is. But um, it, the Anthony Davis move just it would kind of give me reason to think that maybe maybe the Nuggets can compete in the next two years for a championship. And that's exciting. I don't, maybe that's not reality, but well, this might be going on a tangent, but I think they're ready to compete next year. I, I don't think with the current Durant team? stays. Yeah. And, and, mm-hmm. and I know you don't like the argument of, well, it takes uh weakening the, the warriors to do it as opposed to strengthening our team to contend. But I don't, I don't think, I, I don't think Durant's there next season. I, I think it's very, very likely that he's gone. And that completely changes changes the landscape. And I think we're already at the point. It was one game, one game against the Warriors. We got blown out, and that changed all of our minds on on our ceiling, on the Warriors ceiling, floor, you know, everything. But that was just one game. Like, sure, I I, I think the Warriors have us in seven, but I think we're a lot closer than that one game would tell us. And so um even this season, I think we're competitive. I think we have a puncher's chance in a series of seven against them. And you throw Kevin Durant out of it and add another year of growth, both from the players on our team and uh, from what Connolly might be able to do to add to it. Um, and I think we're a competitor next year. So I have a lot less of an inclination of um, that we have to wait forever until we're competitive. Yeah, I just I don't see it even next year unless we have we have another big time superstar and uh, Jamal Murray would have to take a big leap um, next year or, or somebody else is going to have to be brought in to be a legit threat. I think Michael, what, what were you going to say, Ren? Jr. Not in his rookie year <laughs> Michael though. Porter Jr. Yep. Ma- <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> we, don't even, a game. we don't even know if he can play 20 minutes a game regularly. It'll be interesting. Yeah, I know. I, what were you going to say, Ren? I think that the, the two avenues that you guys are talking about are, are it's like one a and one b for me like it it doesn't suck to to go with one or the other either way uh you're talking about either chucking your assets at a top five player which sounds pretty good when you compare them with another top 10 player or you're talking about staying the course which i think is fine i think that both ways the nuggets uh they have they have good options whichever way they go what they can't do 
is is trade somebody like Jamal Murray for a shorter term solution. Like like if it's uh there was an Eric Bledsoe deal that they had on the table a couple of years ago that would have pushed Jamal Murray back to the bench. And that that stuff like that doesn't make sense. You you're either going to go for it or you're going to stay the course. And I think that the best way to do it right now is to just play one of those two things. If they think that they can get through the door with an Anthony Davis offer, then they should go for it. If they don't think they can get through the door, then that's perfectly fine. Just stay the course. What I I don't think that you can tell Anthony Davis like if if you were to push the Warriors to six games in the Western Conference this year, and then we're able to dethrone them next year after Kevin Durant leaves, then tell Anthony Davis that he should go to LA. And, and like, right. if, if he actually says that he wants to be a competitive individual and doesn't just want the spotlight, then you gave him every reason to stay because you put him in the best, in the best position possible to win. Uh, there's no way that the Nuggets could do anything more than that if they were able to actually beat the Warriors in a playoff series or compete with them. Like, does he get anywhere closer than that in L.A.? No. So are we all three saying we we would go for it? The Drew Holiday deal? But it's just specifically that one? Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday? Yeah, yeah, I would. Oh, I would. Yeah. But not without Drew Holiday? No. Yeah, I, I with, with Drew Holiday, you're capitalizing on on somebody who's really, really good right now. And Jamal Murray still goes through those moments where he's not really good. And this is the way to prove to Anthony Davis that you're serious about competing. Now, for some reason, a basketball haiku by Nicholas Herzog. Do it, Nuggets Brass. Give up Blue Arrow right now for two runs with Brow. Uh, I liked your idea about Otto Porter in your article today, Ryan. Um, do you want to go through that trade a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So Otto Porter is a guy who has kind of been not ostracized by Washington, but but at just 25 years old, they've already moved him to the bench for some reason. Uh, that team is nine points better per 100 possessions with him on the floor than off, and yet they still play Trevor Ariza and Jeff Green over him because they're the Washington Wizards and they're really dumb. So I think that... Denver could really <laughs> take advantage of that situation by offering them a deal that gets them out of Otto Porter's money that he's owed and also gets them a young prospect that they could really use. And so I threw out a proposed deal of Paul Millsap and Malik Beasley for Otto Porter and Markeith Morris. And what this solves for both teams for Washington, they get a guy in Paul Millsap who could be a starter for them for this year and then doesn't necessarily have to play for them in the future. But they also get a guy in Malik Beasley who's young but also very skilled, uh, can play next to Bradley Beal, can pay can play behind Bradley Beal for the foreseeable future. For Denver, you talk about Otto Porter as this guy who fits really well next to Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray and Gary Harris is kind of that that fourth or fifth option in the starting lineup who has the skills to be able to score when those guys aren't necessarily scoring. Uh, and then Markeith Morris is just an extra contract that kind of satisfies what, what Washington needs in trying to get off of some money. So in that situation, is our starting power forward Markeith? Uh, you could go a number of ways. I think you could probably keep Will Barton in the starting lineup and put Otto Porter at the four, or maybe that's your closing lineup and you start with Otto Porter at the four and Torrey Craig at the three, or you go with Barton at, or you, or you go Barton to the bench and, and you put Otto Porter at the three and Markeith Morris at the four. Either way, 
Morris is a guy who I think is better than Trey Lyles or Juancho Hernan Gomez right now and, yeah. and deserves yeah. to be mm-hmm. in kind of a, not necessarily a feature role, but, but he deserves minutes over those guys. So there, there's definitely a place for him, whether it's on the starting lineup or in the bench. Okay. What do you guys think about it? I like the idea of the, f- yeah, I like the idea of the floor spacing um, that, that Porter can bring. I think that's, a part of Millsap's game that has sort of faded. Yeah, I, I so to me, when it comes to trades and, and the build of the roster, everything's coming down to my own personal uh, concept of what the best Jokic team is. And, and I started in my mind kind of ranking position by its importance in a Jokic lineup, which to me, power forward is, is the most important position uh, to, to lock down the ability to have a defense that works with Jokic um, it, it is so critical. To me, that's the, the, the number one concern with building a team around Jokic. And so, um, you know, I, I love Otto Porter. I watched him in college. I'm a Georgetown Hoyas uh, fan. They're my, my number one team. I've, I, and I think he'd be like one of the, the 10 guys in the NBA who are perfect fits on our team. Um, but between his contract, which is so large, I don't know Washington played that kind of crazy. Um, his contract, which is so large, and and to me, the small forward position is is in in my mind the the fourth most important, um, just ahead of the shooting guard. It's um, you know, I don't think we'd be worse just just looking at it objectively, uh, but it, but I'm feeling kind of like a six of one, half dozen of the other here. Um, I, I, I think maybe I value Millsap more than, well, I know I value Millsap more than your average Nuggets fan. Um, but y- you know, I, I, I like it and I would love to be able to root for Porter. Uh, if he didn't have the contract he did, it would change so much in my mind. Cause that, that's even not even just 26 million you're giving to Porter. That's 26 million you're giving to the small forward, which is not where I want to be putting money. The shooting guard already with, with uh, Harris is a position where I'm, I'm scared to be playing 16, 17, 18 million there. Um, I, my concern is, is the power forward and the point guard in, in a Jokic plan. And I, and I know we're going to have to pay up the money to, to, to me, get the championship Jokic team is, is going to be having money at the power forward in the point guard position. So, yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't hate it, but uh, I think that I would, back away from that yeah i'm not the the money is a bit concerning to me too because he signed for what four years or something yeah three or yeah three three Three. yeah does it go up each year yeah it's 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 a pretty ugly contract it it increases i'm pretty (laughs) sure five percent every year yeah here's here's the reason why here's here's why i'll sell you on it uh Mm-hmm. You have a couple of guys who have not played yet or or have played a total of three minutes so far in Michael Porter Jr. and Jared Vanderbilt. And both of those guys are very versatile. Uh, Vanderbilt right. is what I would consider the prototype power forward that you're talking about to potentially right. play next to Nikola Jokic as a guy who's very defensive-minded, who can do a little bit of the dirty work, can switch on defense, can do the things you need to win with a Nikola Jokic type offense and and Michael Porter Jr. being that wild card of he's a small forward who could really score uh, maybe he's more of a power forward as a kind of a dynamic offensive threat what if you threw Otto Porter into that mix and between those three guys you play almost all of the forward minutes where you have Otto Porter, maybe he starts as the power forward and Michael Porter Jr. starts as the small forward next to him. And then you get that defense when you need Jared Vanderbilt in the game or you have the offense that you need that's necessary when you put both of the Porter guys out there. But the thing about Porter that I really like is he has the versatility to be able to do both of those things. And while he's not going to provide the defense that you want at power forward, he is going to provide as much offense as possible at the power forward position next to Jokic outside of being like an Anthony Davis type guy. Because if, if you, if you want somebody handling the ball, you want Anthony Davis 
if you want somebody who kind of is playing in the free flow offense, that's the kind of guy who Otto Porter is. So he's a guy that I've right. really enjoyed watching for a long time. And, and like you, big fan of his at Georgetown. Uh, this is more of a long-term play. It's not necessarily something where you're you're looking to try and compete for a championship next year because you're relying on Michael Porter Jr. and Jared Vanderbilt to develop into quality players. Right. Uh, but if they were able to do that, I think it raises Denver's ceiling immensely. Yeah, that this could be the kind of move that uh, we don't do. And then in hindsight, I could see thinking, man, we should have done that. We should have printed out ryan's email and posted it on tim Connolly's <laughs> wall and had him do it um because to me it's all dependent on vanderbilt because i i i'm also a huge fan 100 percent give thanks to the rest of the stiffs um the moment he was drafted there were already stiffs who um had him profiled who were talking to people um in the nuggets management who were talking about how they see him and his fit and instantly fell in love with him and his potential if he really does turn out, then all of a sudden, Otto Porter looks great next to him. And it, interestingly enough, they both have the same contract length. I'm so I'm going to give myself a little bit of a pat on the back here because I think I was the one to profile him. He was my top second round target for Denver this year, and I think that's yeah. I think that's turned out reasonably well. Yeah, awesome. Th- yeah, thank you, Ryan. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, and we'll see. I'm going to say no right now, but two years from now. Um, you know, I might just have to uh, buy you a drink or something and and give you my full apologies. <laughs> That's how I apologize, by the way. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> so MPJ's come up in these trade conversations a couple times now, and I I'm I'm torn about this too. I'm wondering. I, my gut is I I really want to try to find a way to hang on to him if there's some sort of trade that happens. Um, I wonder how enticing he is to other teams, though, or if right. he would be looked at as a sort of Markel Fultz esque project. Maybe not quite that to that level, but you know, somebody who just who knows, like, um, and and maybe somebody that, that they wouldn't value high enough to like tip the scales in in a big time trade. At the same time, it, it where where is it, it's hard to project the window here for a Nuggets championship. I mean, if you're saying you think you think they could be competing next year or the year after, let's say the window is the next two, three years, uh, thanks to what the, the leap that they've taken this year, then is MPJ really the best fit for that window? Even if he does turn into Kevin Durant, it's going to take him a few years. Um, and that's hard. It's hard to say. Uh, are we willing to, to give up that potential to win now for a, a player who, who may not be that caliber or for somebody like Anthony Davis, who may be gone in two years, but it might be worth it. He's one of those guys that you kind of put in a mystery box and, and you give the mystery box to somebody and, and they don't somebody else. Yeah. They don't necessarily know that it's a, <laughs> they don't necessarily know that it's 25 cents, but you know, it's 25 cents. Uh, and they assume that it's a full dollar. And then you you kind of trick him a little bit, or you're the one getting tricked by giving up on him too early, right. and he right. turns out to be Kevin Durant. <laughs> that would be that would be a terrible thing for Denver if they gave up on him too early. So I think like we were talking about earlier with the Davis stuff, if you're gonna give up on him, give up on him big and and sell yeah. him for an Anthony Davis type, or sell him for a Kawhi Leonard type, or somebody akin to that. Uh, don't trade him for Otto Porter Jr. Uh, that that's not enough. You you got to get you got to make sure that you're getting somebody who makes a tangible difference in the ceiling of this team. Right. I I look at I look at MPJ when you when you talk about making trades in terms of like uh, stock trading, where you don't want to be the person who's who's talked into buying a stock that you don't know anything about. Where they say, well, they could be the next Apple, and they're talking about doing this. And in the past, they had this guy come on, and he was great because of this. But if you can't actually see it, if if they don't show you what their finance books look like or what their new technology looks like, if there's no way to actually go in and truly see what you have, 
then then your number one goal is to to protect your own money and you just you don't make that bet sure you might miss out and sure you know all these other guys can make a killing on it but you you protect what you have especially if you have a lot which at this point I feel like the nuggets do so when I look at MPJ's value as far as trading goes um I actually give him very little value um and and if another team from the nuggets if, perspective or from another from the team's nuggets perspective, perspective. And then, so, so it would, I think it would totally come down to, uh, what manager you're actually talking to. Um, another thing that goes along with looking at him from a market value is that others, others wind up getting caught in the same game where there might be a manager out there. And just cause he's paid millions of dollars a year, doesn't mean he can't fall for the same tricks of, oh yeah, but he could be the next Kevin Durant or the next, this, you know what? Like I really want him. And all of a sudden they're giving us a lot of value that we know for a fact we can check, we can see, is it, would this person be a good fit? What, what did they do here? What is their personality? And, and really be able to see what they could add to our team. So, so it's all over the place. I, you know, there's so many teams that were completely hands off of him on draft day. Um, I have to have the feeling that they're still going to take that stance, but it, all it takes is the right other manager to give us something back. That's really valuable. And, and I'm in for that. So, so I'm not as, as much as it would be great to watch him, you know, flourish over the years in in a Nuggets jersey. Um, at this point, you, you give me the right deal, and and I would sign it away in a heartbeat. So, are there any other smaller moves that would make sense for the Nuggets this year? I know Ryan in your article you mentioned a few other players that the Nuggets might look at. Um, is I guess what's the argument for making a small move, Jeremy? So. When you look at the minutes um, that a healthy Nuggets roster has, uh, how, how they put the, the minutes out there, it's I, I think it's really hard to improve upon what we have because what we what we have is a lot of um, undervalued assets, a lot of guys who are playing way above what they're getting paid, and that's usually what you're trying to get when you're making a trade. You're trying to somehow fit a piece in who who plays really well who who doesn't cost a lot so um the the closest thing that i could I, I actually did spend some time on this like what can we actually tinker with the minutes that i still see being dished out even when we're completely healthy um just because of his size and his role i i think lyles is still getting anywhere between 10 and 15 minutes a game and and that's a piece where i think um i think it might just be worth it at that point to to move on from him and have Vanderbilt <laughs> come in. I know that he's in the G league right now and the plans are to give him a lot of time there, but um, I'm not too concerned with what we lose. If, if Lyles gets c- cut out of the rotation. Um, so even if Vanderbilt doesn't pan out in 10 or 15 minutes a game, I don't think we're losing a whole lot. <laughs> by, by yeah. So even instead of Lyles, so just a deal like Lyles for a second round pick or something like that. You're thinking. So, so well, so the one thing that, that I looked around and I saw, and I'm not in love with it. Again, we're just moving Lyles, so we're not getting much in return. But um, Lyles to the Lakers for Michael Beasley, who is a guy who plays at small forward, a position we're still odd at. We have Craig playing there. All the stiffs aren't liking the, the way he's being used. We have Wancho, who suddenly fell off a cliff. Um, and when Beasley, Malik Beasley plays there, he's he's undersized, so it depends on the matchup. Um, why not throw in another piece um, who can put some minutes in there? He's a little bit older. He's gritty. He So, um, yeah, give Vanderbilt Trey Lyles minutes and let um, Michael Beasley find a role um, in some way, shape, or form as a small forward. I think there's an argument for that. Uh, it's maybe, maybe it's not necessarily Michael Beasley, but it could be somebody who's – a little bit more defensive. I th- I think that when you're when you're talking about guys who the Nuggets should be looking for, I think you have to start with what they don't have and can this and and then evaluating each of the players that are currently on the roster and saying can this guy play in the playoffs? Can this guy, regardless right. of the matchup, uh, provide a tangible impact? And I don't know if there's a ton of players out there that could really do that. One of the guys that I talked about was Stanley Johnson uh, on the yeah. Detroit Pistons. I think that he's somebody who makes a lot of sense when you're talking about, okay, who can I trust 
in crunch time, or maybe not crunch time, in 10 to 12 minutes in the second quarter of game five of the first round of the playoffs to match up against Donovan Mitchell or to match up against Joe Ingles in when we're playing Utah. Uh, and I don't know if you can trust Malik Beasley in every situation to match up with those guys. I don't know if you could trust Torrey Craig to match up with those guys in every situation. I think Stanley Johnson is a proven defender in the playoffs. He he had to match up against LeBron James in when the Detroit Pistons made it way back in the day. Uh, and I think he's a very skilled and physical guy who could then match up against the LeBron Jameses and Kevin Durant's and, and guys like that, and then take some pressure off of Denver's current ball handlers like Jamal Murray and, and Will Barton. And then Will Barton can focus on what he does best in that score. He doesn't have to worry about trying to defend LeBron James. Right. I actually like that even more. Mm-hmm. Um, if Detroit would do that, I, I would take that over a, a trade for Michael Beasley. I don't know what they would want in return. I think that, they they definitely want something of tangible value. I don't know if that's a second round pick. I don't know if that's Trey Lyles. Maybe maybe taking Trey Lyles instead of Stanley Johnson makes sense for them. Uh, if they need some tangible replacement for Blake Griffin when Griffin is out of the starting lineups or or when he's on, just sitting on the bench. So I don't know. It's a it's a fascinating discussion, but somebody like that, somebody like Wayne Ellington on on Miami, who's a little bit shorter but has a tangible skill of being oh, uh, yeah. a three point shooter, uh, that makes a lot of sense as somebody who could just play ten to fifteen minutes. I I also listed uh, Terrence Ross, who's playing in Orlando right now, and Nemanja Bialica, who's the starting power forward for the Kings. Uh, I have to say, I think you're you're reaching in both those cases as far as getting their team to want to make the deal. Probably, unless we're sweetening it somewhere. Orlando, Orlando has talked about how they're in a very they're in a very tenuous position because on one hand they want to make the playoffs, but on the other hand they want to get something of value for Terrence Ross before he walks on the on the open market. So they're they're mm. walking a fine line there. Uh, gotcha. I just I have an article pulled up on the Athletic that that talks about the guys that they that they like and and would entertain trades for and Bielitsa is one of those guys that they would entertain a trade for for sure uh but they still do like what he does so it would have to be something of tangible value probably giving up Hernan Gomez probably giving up a solid second rounder something like that yeah i agree somebody to play defense against some of these main offensive threats in the West makes a lot of sense. Um, and if, if you can add somebody who can play defense and, and who can shoot a little bit, all the better. It's just, it's tricky at that point because I always like looking at, at train away players as it, um, looking at our own player on the other roster, Tory Craig would be a guy that I might think that I would want to trade for. Um, because he he uh, magnifies defense and being able to to lock a guy down, um, if if for no other reason than just watching him ruin Westbrook's day any time that we play <laughs> Oklahoma City. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but it kind of goes to show um, what what that argument is. You know, defense is such a hard thing to 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 just put your finger on and say, boop, we're better because of it. Like, oh, they have this thing called defense, but it, it's different. It's not like you can say like shooting is one thing. Like, yeah, they've got a great three-point shot or they've got a great um, hook or something like that. Def- defense is this very ambiguous thing. You brought up the box of mystery before. I'd say let's – who did we throw in there? Who was the player you threw in Michael there? Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, so Michael Porter Jr. and defense we now have in the mystery box. <laughs> and and – and and one thing we do know, um, right, as you pointed out, is that Stanley looked really good against uh, LeBron James, which is somebody we could easily be be up against in the playoffs. So it's a little bit different to me. I think as much as I love Torrey Craig, I don't see him succeeding in that situation as well. Um, but um, but yeah, it, it, it's just it's hard to say. Let's let's move Trey Lyles for a guy who's who's just good at defense, and then um, just imagine everything working well. But I mean. 
Same thing goes to a certain respect on on other things. Michael Beasley, who knows which version of we, him we get? Who knows if he's hitting shots or failing shots? Who knows if he's using his size well in defense or completely blowing um, assignments? You never know. Not to mention, I think when you're when you're talking about making trades for the playoffs, you have to operate from the perspective that okay, Nikola Jokic is going to play 36 minutes per game. During most games, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton, they're probably going right. to be up towards that threshold as well. True. Paul Millsap probably plays upwards of 30 minutes. And then, okay, now who, who else are you going to play? You're going to play Monty Morris in all likelihood. He probably plays 15 minutes per game. And, Plumlee. And Plumlee is going to play 15 minutes per game. And then you start thinking, okay, how many more minutes do I actually have left? Uh, what, am, what are the holes that I have to fill the biggest toll is clearly at small forward and power forward, uh, just because. And right, Malik Beasley's probably going to play a little bit at shooting guard, maybe a little bit at small forward as well. But when you talk about these playoffs, are you going to trust Juancho Hernan Gomez in a playoff series? Are you going to trust Trey Lyles in a playoff series? Only if you have to, I would say. Uh, if there was an opportunity to fill that spot with somebody who could provide solid defensive play, uh, maybe space the floor a little bit. I think that Denver's going to try and do that. Uh, they won't go out of their way to to get somebody that they think doesn't necessarily fit, but they're just trying to make a move for the sake of making a move. But if they see somebody like a Stanley Johnson or a Wayne Ellington or a Michael Beasley, if that's the guy that they want to get, then then they'll try and get that guy. Ryan, what do you think the chances are Anthony Davis gets dealt for the deadline? Uh, hmm, that's a tough one. I, I'm going to say 5% probably. It's it's not a very high chance. I, I would say that the, the Pelicans don't have a ton of incentive to do it now when they could have an opportunity to trade with the Boston Celtics in the summer. I think Boston can put together the best trade package possible, uh, and whether that's for Tatum, whether that's for the other multitude of picks that they have, they have uh, Memphis's pick, they have Sacramento's pick, they have all of their own. Um, they could throw in Jalen Brown. I would say that that's probably the deal that they're waiting for, even if New York kind of goes off the rails and, and offers Kristaps Porzingis and a possible number one pick this year. I just don't see the Pelicans biting on that. They'll have that deal when it comes around to NBA draft time and NBA free agency. What do you think, Jerry? Yeah. Um, 5% sounds about right. I would go anywhere between 5% and 10%. Um, they're still in a position to make a, a playoff appearance and the amount of money that that means to team ownership is, is a pretty big deal. So the ability for them to, to not only get, have no pressure to trade him right now, but also to to make some money and uh, at least still generate some fan interest in the team come playoff time. Um, there's just there's too much going on there that that shows this trade would happen in the the summer. Well, if uh, the Nuggets are going to make a deal, it'll probably be worked out during the Pelicans game when Tim Connolly can hang out with his old buddies <laughs> from the Pelicans front office. But there you go. Probably a long shot. I'm going to I'm going to say this goes into the summer as well. I don't I don't think anything happens. Um, And then. I agree, Boston's package is really strong at that point. It's just going to come down to who the Pelicans want more. I think Um, the Lakers prospects or Boston's prospects with picks Um, and and ultimately Anthony Davis is going to decide some of this if, if he refuses to go anywhere but L.A., uh, that's uh, really going to hamstring some teams. It's it's an interesting era in the NBA right now. I mean, the players really have a lot more power than they ever have before. And, you know, from Anthony Davis's perspective, if he really does want to go to L.A., um, it, it, almost, it almost makes sense for him to come out and say it and to totally kneecap the Pelicans <laughs> because then L.A. has to give up less to get him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I wouldn't be totally surprised if we see that in the next couple of days or a week or as other teams start jumping in um, 
and and maybe there starts to be some some buzz about a deal being worked out or something. I I, th- I think we might hear more from Anthony Davis and, and his demands if if that is actually the case and he does want to go to L.A. It's a fascinating discussion. Uh, won't necessarily like I don't I don't think Davis will come out. I think that one of the things that the NBA has really prioritized this time around is making sure that tampering is not happening, where Rich Paul is basically directing all of the traffic with Anthony Davis towards LA they're already doing that and I definitely would say that Anthony Davis isn't isn't going to try to avoid getting fined as much as he can to to make this work I doubt that he comes out and says I want to go to Los Angeles at least during the season maybe he'll say it during the offseason but it would be kind of a shitty move to to go out and say hey yeah New Orleans I know you're playing Los Angeles in a couple of weeks, but yeah, I want to go there. <laughs> yeah, it it's not going to come. It's not going to come from him. It'll come from his camp or something. But um, I, you know, these these discussions were had long before this this latest announcement. I'm sure they already had some kind of a plan in mind of how they wanted to approach this. I've, I, I'm sure. So right. What about the Nuggets, Nick? You think they make a move? A- any move before the trade deadline? No, I don't think so. Ryan, I think I think they'd have sitting pat. Yeah, I, I think I'm I think I'm with Nick. I think I think they're gonna stay pat. I I don't expect them to really try and go out of their way to make a deal. If something falls into their lap and and they hear that the right player is available, then and maybe it's for cheaper than they expected, then maybe they go for it. But the way that their contracts are set up, the way that uh, the team is kind of oriented, the way that they've filled most of their holes so far. I don't necessarily think it's very likely. I'd probably put it at 20% that they make a deal. Yeah. I, I say, I don't think they make a deal either. I was looking, there was about 15 trades um, leading up to the deadline last season. Um, yeah. It's, I, it's, it's actually never quite as busy as it feels like when it's going on. Cause it's all about possibility and potential. So, um, you know, the fact that the chance that the nuggets end up as one of those, 15 or so trades just seems pretty unlikely to me. Yeah. And even the, the AD drew holiday deal we were talking about while that sounds really interesting and fun, you know, it would be a tough pill to swallow trading your three of your five starters away on a team. That's on pace to have the best record it's ever had. Right. Um, That's a major upending of (laughs) what's been built here. And and maybe it does make sense, but I, I have a hard time seeing Tim Connolly pull the trigger on a on a deal like that on a team that he's built. It'll be tough, but it would be cool. I'm I'm excited to see what they what they end up doing. I think that there's a lot of possibility, uh, not necessarily likelihood, but they have so many young pieces right now uh, that. That like like with Michael Porter Jr. kind of mystery box pieces for a lot of teams that if they're enamored then maybe they give up something that is of major value but we'll see I I don't think that this is the time for Denver to kind of go all out uh, that time though is soon coming awesome thank you so much for uh, jumping in today Ryan it was great having yeah, you yeah thanks for having me on guys all right thanks Ryan. Thank you for listening to The Dig. You can follow us on Twitter at The Dig Denver. You hear that, AD? You can follow us there. Probably want to get to know uh, your new fan base. 